Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. All right, we're recording now. We got uh, we got uh, Richard on today. Skip is taking some time with his his wife. Somehow, family's important. I I don't know. Uh, but um, yeah, we're uh, Richard was does some of our shorts, and he he likes to he came up with an idea that uh, when he was doing VCI work down in South Africa that um, he had to redefine the client expectations of who he was in order to have the conversations that he wanted to have. And so I kind of want to revisit that. Like, how do you redefine it? It's similar to keeping the main thing, the main thing or a podcast from a few weeks ago. But when you walk in the door, if the per the people in front of you are expecting you to talk about technical stuff, they're expecting to have a PowerPoint on the firewall design or the layout of the network, you might be, you might need to redefine who you are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so just to, to set the tone and to give everybody a sort of a, a background where I come from. So I was working for um, an MSP in South Africa where we were doing the typical type of thing. We had our account managers slash salespeople, and we decided we need to make that pivot of having dedicated VCIOs within the company. And it was a hard step, first of all, for the business to make that change because all of a sudden you have these expensive resources that are sitting in front of the clients, but they're not making sales. So how are we going to be generating that revenue? Um, but additional to that, it was it was difficult in the beginning for the client to understand this concept of, well, what is a VCIO? Most clients didn't know what a CIO was. Never mind, now you're adding these extra syllables in front of it. Like, what now? Um and it, it it was a big challenge in the beginning, but what I will say is that if I get a little bit excited in this in this podcast, it's because it's something I'm passionate about, and I saw the change, and I wish more more MSPs could make that step in having those dedicated VCIO roles because it is a game changer. Um, I never I never got anybody fired, but I will say that we we really did slow down on our on our sales because of the passive sales that were coming in from the VCIO uh, conversations that we were having. It, it, passive sales. Uh, cool. yeah. Say a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so how we how we structured it was obviously you know if a client doesn't know what to expect for a meeting, we've you guys have mentioned in a couple of the podcasts um, leading up to this. If the client doesn't know what to expect coming into a meeting, they are reluctant to go into that meeting. And it's the same with us, Adam. If you phone me up and go, "Hey, I've got this awesome idea. Are you in?" I go, "What's the idea? Tell me about it first before I, I jump in. And a lot of the time, the clients were hesitant. Um, you know, I'd pick up the phone and go, hey, I want to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. And they go like, okay, what are you trying to sell me today? No, this isn't a sales pitch. You know, I just want to come and find out how things are going at company A. Um, and and we struggled a bit in the beginning just because of the, the, the expectation of the client was, Richard oversees my account, Richard's going to come and speak to me. Richard's going to try and tell me about all these projects that we need to do because of all this technical stuff going on in the world. I don't have time for that right now. Neither does my budget. Um, and it it took us a while, but I will never forget we went to one of our clients, and I'm not going to mention any names, but this had been a, a client of the MSP for about 20 years. Um, they were one of the first clients that the MSP I was working for um, had signed on. 
And our primary contact there was very engaging. He understood the technical, but his boss did not. And I remember going into meetings beforehand where he would doze off, um, you know, and literally like sit in the corner and, and watch the back of his eyelids because the meetings were all technical. And once we got the VCIO conversations off the ground and we changed the client's expectation, he wouldn't shut up in meetings. We would literally go there and for an hour. He would just do all the talking. Yeah. Uh, and, and my boss walked in with one of those, one of those meetings with me. He's like, how did you get this guy to talk so much? And I said, it's simple. I said, we made the meeting all about him and not about us. It's not about what I can do for you as the MSP. Tell me what your struggles are. Tell me what your victories are in the business. Um, Tell me where you're going with the business. And he did all the talking. And I did very little talking. Um, in the webinar yesterday, Adam, you were talking about going into these meetings with a pen and paper. And that's literally what I did. I said to my boss, I said, you leave your laptop outside. I said, if you bring your cell phone in, you put it upside down on the table if you need it on the table. Otherwise, I don't want it on the table. And just make the meeting all about them. Um, and we walked out of there with a couple of projects in the pipeline that they had been struggling to sell the customer for the last three or four years. Yeah. But it was it was pretty epic to see that change going from, no, we don't really have time to see you to, okay, now I'm not going to keep quiet in the meetings. Yeah. When you, when you change that dynamic, and I keep telling people this over and over, is that it is simple how to have better conversations and to sell more with your clients. And they're like, well, what tricks do I do? What, what kind of like tweaks do I make? And how do I present this data better? How do I show ticket data so that it, it helps us feel valued? Hmm. And it, it, you're working too hard on the wrong things. So yeah, yeah. our webinar yesterday was, um, you know, we're talking about the mistakes that MSPs make in QBRs and that, that talking about the wrong thing when your client feels like they're going to come into a technical discussion, they don't want to be there or they're being there as due diligence. And right. the big difference between being there is due diligence and being there because this is where decisions happen. Yeah. And so, so when, when we talk to people about potential customers, when we talk to leads about, uh, you know, selling our software and our process, we get this reluctance because people are like, oh, another one of these. This is going to be like a six-month forklift. It's going to take me forever to go here. Um, I'll listen to this because I know it's. I know QBRs are important, but it's it's just too much work for us right now. Mm. And we come in there trying to redefine. Like, look, it doesn't take a lot of work. It's very simple. You just got to flip the switch. You got to flip the narrative, and I had to flip the narrative with with MSPs. Because they're expecting me to talk about this, you know, 300 step process or this six month migration into our client portal. And I say, no, no, it's simple. Let's just make you look good. We'll put all your data on a screen and then we'll talk about the client. Yeah. And that's it. And everybody's expectations are set in one way. And there was a, a saying in like the, was it the 80s or 90s, the paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And when that actually happens in an organization, when you actually see the dynamic shift and it, it becomes this culture moment, this comes this watershed moment or whatever you want to call mountaintop experience where you're like, it was this easy the whole time. Yes. You just had to change your perspective. And, and you do. And, and I think a lot of MSPs struggle to change that perspective. Um, 
and and I'm not saying I have the silver bullet to it, but but this is what I did um, when we made that shift from Richard just being the account manager. You can call it account manager, client success manager, whatever you want to call it. When we made that shift from that role into this VCIO role, I actually sent out an email to all of my my biggest clients or the clients that I dealt with a lot and said, hey, I've just been fired from said MSP. And that immediately got their attention. And I said, but don't worry, I've been reappointed as the virtual CIO that is now you know, on your team. And immediately after that email had gone out, I had some of the bigger clients phoning me going like, okay, we've got no clue what that means. Explain it to me in layman's terms. And what that did was it opened the door, you know, sort of that shock factor, but it opened the door to get that conversation flowing. And that helped a lot. Now, I understand not all MSPs can do that. Um, and I understand that, that you know, you work differently with your clients, but you've got to make a clear definition between I'm not here to talk sales. I'm not here to talk technical. I'm here to talk about you. I'm sitting here on your side of the table. Um, let, let me in. Let me into the inner circle. Let me help you. And what does it cost you? Well, nothing because you're part of our you know elite client or whatever the case is. So we bundle this in as a yeah. free value add. And it's that immediately like- gained it. It's almost like, you know, we need to redefine MSPs as BSPs, uh, business solutions providers, and be like, hey, we're going out of business as an MSP. We're going to become a business solutions provider. We're going to focus on business solutions rather than technical. We don't care where the tech comes from. We care about how it affects your business. And so redefining who you are as a company, are you a company that provides technical assets to to businesses if that's the case you're just a you're a retailer Mm -hmm. that's fine that's that's a noble profession i i my first job was a pc retail shop i built pcs in the back i repaired pcs in the back and i got them customers we were a tech shop but if you want to be seen as a solutions provider, hey do they need security do they need cyber insurance do they need um servers do they need something that's going to help them process more clients. There's all this technology out there. Do you need to be a Microsoft reseller in order to provide this suite? Probably, Hmm. you know, it makes it easier, but that's not your end goal. Your end goal isn't to sell Microsoft licenses. Your end goal is to help the client through your services. And when you think of yourself as that service provider, I'm coming in not to provide service to the technology, I'm coming in to provide service to the business. Now you've got to think differently. Even your engineers think differently. Think, oh, well, why aren't they just doing this? They could they could easily solve that problem. Like, because you never told them about the problem. And you didn't tell them about the problem because you didn't know what the problem was. And they never told you. There's no communication going on because everybody sees you as a best buy. Correct. They see you as the shop to go to when they need to buy a new computer. That's what they see you as. But if you can redefine this, hey, Richard is the person we go to talk to when we need a solution to a problem. Yeah. What's the problem? Uh, well, pitch him the problem and say, well, is there is there anything that can help us with that? Hey, you know, ChatGPT has a great new uh, feature that you can actually use to help with customer service in this area. Oh, I didn't know about that. Well, now mm-hmm. you do. Would you like us to look into and build up a couple RFPs for you? Do an RFP to figure out which solution would be best for your organization. What's your budget? 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it like <clears throat> we can go back to COVID times and it was an interesting, interesting time. But one of the things that stood out for me um, during COVID was I got probably our top five to eight clients and I approached all the CEOs or the managing directors and said, hey, I want to do an internal webinar. We're not going to publish it out loud um, or out on the web. I just want to get everybody into the same digital room and let's just talk about the challenges we're facing from a technology problem or from a business problem um, and do a little bit of brainstorming together. And it was so incredible to see people, even within the same industries, helping each other. Yeah. And ultimately, people people want to help each other. Um, you know, competition's a good thing, but at the end of the day, we all want to help each other and see each other succeed. And that's part of this shift of changing the client's expectations of what you're there for and yeah great not all msps um you know can afford to have a dedicated vcio or whatever the case is but you need to start setting those boundaries with the client uh to say okay well what is this conversation about and skippers has touched on this quite a bit in some of the other podcasts um and and really when we made that shift to me being a vcio and a customer would call me the first thing i'd say is what capacity are you speaking to me in? Do you need me to give you a technical solution? Do you need me to give you a business solution? Or are you just phoning to you know, make a lunch date? And very quickly, we were able to then figure out, okay, well, what hat am I wearing for this conversation? Or it would be a case of, hey, Richard, I actually called you because we're needing some new computers in the office, but you're probably not the right person to speak to because you're going to get the sales lady in the office. So thanks, nice chatting to you. I'll speak to you later. Put the phone down and phone the sales lady in the office. Because yeah. we started to set those expectations, and it takes some coaching. You know, you, sometimes you got to you got to be upfront with your client. Hey, listen, great that you called me, but you're calling me about a mouse. If you want to quote from me about a mouse for your computer, it's going to take me three days to get it back to you. You know, you've spoken to the, la- the, the the lady in the office. She handles the sales things for that type of thing. Can I redirect you to her? And what that does as well is that the client then becomes happier because they know when they're speaking to Richard, it's for solutions to their business problems. And if they need a quick turnaround time, don't speak to Richard because he's not going to get you your mouse in three days' time. The lady in the office, Sonia, oh yeah, she's going to get it to you and probably deliver it to you the next morning. You know, So it, it was a case of coaching and mentoring the client as well to redefine the client's expectation of what the conversation is about. Yeah. And it is, I feel like um, people are like, oh, this is just drinking the Kool-Aid. It's it's snake oil. No, it, this is just conversation one-on-one, guys. Every once in a while you have something where you start doing it and you're like, oh, that was a neat trick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like for a lot of people, it's like, well, that's how we've been doing it for uh, forever. Yeah. And now you, now you just focus on that. It's like, I love making fun of those uh, cooking hack videos uh, because <laughs> they're like, look, you can peel an apple and they, they, they boil first step one, boil water. Step two, uh, dump apple in water. Step three, take it out and just pull the skin off. Like it's called blanching. Um, <laughs> why is this news? Who, where was your mother that you did not know how to do this thing? <laughs> and like Richard can say a thousand things like this, like first world, problems like people who just don't know basic things right yeah richard's from south africa like he's like you know I, you, you tell a story everyone's like you just bring something up and like everybody knows how to do this like no they don't yeah <laughs> and it's it's odd because 
I like, I assume that when people are walking into meetings with their clients, that they're talking about these things. But then I watch these discussions on Facebook and these people are adamant that they need to convince the, uh, the client to buy more. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like nope. you can do that. You can play that game. Like, Hey client, buy more from me. And there's lots of sales tricks and it's a whole arena built around teaching MSPs how to sell better. And in the end, if you boil down any of the good books, you boil down any of the good techniques, all it is is the simple thing of you actually need to talk to your client, like actually treat them like a human being and engage with them. And the, the sales will flow naturally. As Richard said earlier, like those, those, what, what did you call them? The passive sales. Mm -hmm. the reason why people don't want to preach that is because I can't sell you a package as a salesperson to, I make no money off of that. I, as a vendor do not make money off of passive sales. I need to coach you. Coaching is where I make my money. I make money off of you hiring our services so that we can actively push your products and you need to believe that you can't live without us. But there was this, this $10,000 per client, method over here that you could do for free called get a cup of coffee, walk over to your client and say, how are you doing? Yeah. yeah and I mean, <laughs> let, let's, let's be honest. I mean, you, you're not going to keep your business alive selling new computers to everybody. Um, and you're probably not going to do it with selling Microsoft subscriptions. Um, a lot of that comes from coaching project work because Eventually project work all that's going to go back to direct consumer. Absolutely. And, you know, that's why MSP, I'm all about partnerships. Um, in all the business days that I've done, it's not a case of, oh, well, just sell me something and be done with it. I would rather pay a little bit extra, but knowing that there's a partnership, that there's a, a relationship that's developed. So an MSP, managed services partnership, because that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. Um, the client, I mean, you can walk into Costco or any of these, these you know, big brand names and walk in there and buy a top of the range new laptop for $1,000. Their markup on that is so so minuscule, but it's the relationship that you develop with that brand. And that's exactly the same as what we should be doing with our, with our MSPs. It's about creating those partnerships where they come to you to buy the piece of computer or the piece of hardware, not because you're necessarily the cheapest, but because of the partnership that is there. And, and that helps to set that client expectation. Um, you know, in South Africa, again, the, the demographics are different. Um, hardware is still expensive in, in South Africa. Uh, and MSPs are certainly not the cheapest because you've got these big, you know, big box retailers like the Amazons of the world who can sell it to you for 20% cheaper. But the clients would come back because they know the partnership and the relationship is there. So we mustn't be afraid to redefine those expectations with our customers. This is why I'm here. I'm not here to sell you that piece of computer. I'm here to help you grow your business because if you increase your profits by 20%, it means I've got 20% extra to help you next year to grow the business even bigger. I want to give a, a good example here, and it, it'll resonate with a lot of you out there and maybe even with Richard here. Is, have you ever found like you spent your whole life and then like somebody recommended a good mechanic to you? And you get to them and they like, they're like, they save you money and they're really honest with you. And they're like, Hey, this is what you need to do. You need to get rid of this car. You know, they'll say, <laughs> they'll just flat out say it, or they'll say, 
hey, tell you what, if we can do this, we could probably um, get rid of that problem. Everybody else, you know, like I have one problem in my in my GMC, and it, it makes this little this little squeaking noise, and it's because it's the air leaking out from this gasket. It's a known issue with GMCs. Everywhere I went, they wanted to charge like two thousand dollars, and then my wife found this mechanic through another friend, and he's like, "You don't need to do an engine lift for that. You just got to put in some elbow grease, and that that'll be done in like forty minutes. Like I'll bill you two hours for it for the total work," and I'm like, "Done." <laughs> you know, or a good um what in the United States, the general practitioners. Yeah, you get a good GP, they're amazing. So that, that doctor you go in for your physical checkup once a year, and they're gonna help give you advice. And then when you actually have a an issue, you go in and talk to them again and be like, Oh, well, I know Richard. Um, yeah, I know he's got this chronic issue with his his eyeball twitching all the time, you know, like <laughs> well, you're not just like, you want this, this person, you know, and the, you're like, this is not normal for you. You know, let's let's talk this through. And that G that general practitioner is gonna be like, you know, let's get you to a specialist and let's get you taken care of. I've because they're building good relationships on the back end. They the relationship they have with you, they have with other doctors and specialists. So they're building those and they can sniff out good ones for you. And so there's that trust there. Same thing with your mechanic. Like they know people, they know where to get the good parts, but the trust there. And when you've been in a broken relationship or when you've had a, just a regular mechanic versus a good one, or if you've just gone into like an urgent care and you've never actually had a dedicated GP, general practitioner to see that you had a relationship with, the difference is night and day because that service level and that trust level you get um, and there's nothing you'll do. Like I know with, with women, with your OBGYNs, like once they find their OBGYN, like it's coveted. It's a, a whole Seinfeld episode on this guys. Uh, like <laughs> that is, that is like, that is the person you go to for mm. all everything. Like it's just that trust relationship there. And, um, you want to be like that for your MSP and client relationships. You want your clients to say, Oh my gosh, you got to work with Richard. Hmm. This guy saved us $30,000 last year because he identified a problem or he improved our SQL server. So we're able to run more uh, marketing campaigns. And now we're serving twice as many customers with the same staff because Richard solved a problem for us. He saw that we were underpowered. And it's also, it's not just about saving the customer money. It's Making about spending money. the money in the right place which ultimately then, you know, comes down to them making more money and in some way, shape and form, you as, as the managed services partner yep. are, are going to benefit from that as well. Um, it, sorry, carry on. My favorite story I have that I tell over and over again, even people probably heard of it on this podcast. If you're a longtime listener, you heard this story is uh, I used to work with schools a lot and my, my poster child school that I always bring up there, there were a break fix, um, like fifteen, seventeen hundred dollars a month, something like that. And uh, they, the the MSP is always talking about you need to update your computers. Your computers are old. You got to buy new computers. Got to buy new computers. Got to buy new computers. That was all they heard was buy new computers. Mm -hmm. You know what the real problem at that organization was? The Wi-Fi. They they had never the MSP had never done a heat map. 
And so because the, the, the school was so distrustful of computers and technology, they weren't going to prioritize that stuff. Why would they do that when they could put more money into playground equipment? They could put more money into uh, new books and technologies or uh, not technologies, but, but things for the classrooms mm-hmm. or, and so what happened was once we fixed the actual problem at the client, once we figured out what was going on and we got the, the Wi-Fi working really well, oh man, now they wanted to buy all these Chromebooks. Now they wanted to buy smart boards. Now they wanted to update their PCs. Now they wanted to do also because the actual problem had been handled and they loved the future of where they could go with this. And it's because we had to listen. I went in there for just a couple hours, met with the teachers, met with the superintendent, and I just listened to them complain. And I started piecing together a vision of what actually was going on. And I went to an, I went to three MSBs and I did an RFP and I said, here are the problems. Can you solve them? And they're like, oh yeah. I mean, let's get, let's get down to it guys. If I put a problem in front of an MSP, you're going to solve it. Oh, yeah. What you guys suck at is identifying the know. right problem because the relationship with your clients is completely technical. Yep. If I went to you today and said, hey, I'm doing a, um, I'm building a new school in South Lincoln. I could walk into any MSP and say, I'm building a new school in South Lincoln. What all do I need to do to be prepared for, um, for, prepared for my staff? And I guarantee you, any MSP is going like, all right, here's what we need to do. How many personnel do you need? Um, we need to calculate the number of drops. And in the back of their head, they're just doing all awesome math. Um, how big is the building? Uh, what kind of coverage are we going to need? I need to walk in and do the space. Can you bring us the blueprint so we can see where we can put all the routers? Uh, can we get in there before they put the drywall up so we can run the, the appropriate cable? They're thinking a thousand steps here. But the one thing that the MSP doesn't ask is, are you guys doing any new building projects this, this year? I, as a client, have to ask the MSP's permission to sell. Instead, if you could say, hey, what are the major things coming up this year? And they go, oh, yeah, well, we're going to hire three new staff members um, in July so we can have everything ready for the fall. Um, We're kicking off. We just got our fundraising done for a build out down south for a, a new school branch. Um, then we are going to do a big fundraiser in November. Like I'm rattling these off and in your head, you're like, wait a minute, build out down South. We need to talk about that. Oh, I didn't Hmm. know that you did construction. We don't do construction, but we need to be able to do all your technology. And then you're like, oh, you have a fundraiser in the fall. Hey, let's prep some projects for your donors to donate to. So your, your schools can have these cool new things like VR headsets. VR classrooms maybe are a thing. Or maybe you want to be able to do some new um, Chromebook programs. All these things that technology people know that a school or a business does not know to ask for. But if you, that's why you need to have the conversation. You need to change the dynamic from a technical person to tell me about your business stuff so we can dive in where we need to. Yeah, and and it's important to to also realize going in with your first type of redefining of that conversation you cannot expect your client to just play open cards with you because it's you know it's this relationship that you need to build and redefine and they need to figure out you as well you know it's like you're going on a first date you don't open up and tell this girl that you're taking out on the first date that you've got a problem with smelly feet and calluses on your toes 
You know, that, that, that comes further on down the line once there's a bit of trust that's built between the two. Um, no, no, we're open sandals. Just so <laughs> but, and, and so maybe, Adam, maybe what we need to do as well at some point is open up or have another podcast about how we, how we run these conversations with clients and meetings. Because I used to go into these conversations with clients and sometimes I would take uh, the salesperson with me. Sometimes I'd take their primary IT technician assigned to their account with me. And I would tell them, you do not say a word unless you are spoken to and ask a very specific question. Then you answer that question and then you shut up again. And the whole purpose with that was, I'm there as your VCIO. I'm not there to sell you. But what I would do is I'd look at my salesperson when an opportunity came up and I'd give them the nod or a wink and go, make a note because you need to now come back with a sales pitch based on what the client has just told. Because you you want the client to open up and tell you about all of these new things and be able to pick up the phone and go, hey, Richard, guess what? This and this and this just happened. We're so excited because of the, wow, congratulations. That's an awesome step. In the background, I'm telling the salesperson, get ready because they're opening up a new branch down the road and it's 3,000 square feet and they're going to need all the infrastructure. Yep. But that's not coming from me. That's going to come from the salesperson. And it's, yep. and it's important to to set those expectations and make sure- you identified the gap that you Absolutely. Absolutely. And- while you are redefining these expectations of the clients, be careful not to get caught up in your old ways and by default put on your sales hat and go, oh, I can see the dollar signs before me now. No, make sure you put that hat in your back pocket and then you go back to your salesperson or when you finish with your conversation as your VCRO, then you put on your sales hat and address it from a sales perspective. Yeah. That, and that's, that's some great final thoughts. And this 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 episode pairs really well with keep the main thing the main thing. Absolutely. You can work as hard as you want. You can be a very hard worker, but be working on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And that is a lesson to take in every aspect of your life, uh, whether it's your relationships, your business partnerships, your employees, whatever it is. If you're, if you're working really hard, you can feel underappreciated, which is why we focus on how to show our value. Instead, work on the right things and the client will praise you for them because you're solving problems that they care about and you're hitting their language and everything is going to move forward. But you have to redefine the client expectations because if they see you as a janitor, they'll treat you as a janitor. If they see you as a partner who cares about them, they'll treat you as a partner that cares about them. Absolutely. Thank you, Richard, for coming on today. Uh, You know. It's always it's always a longer conversation when we have Richard on, uh, you know. So I apologize. It's Not good. Really. It's good. It's <laughs> engaging conversation, and uh, may we'll have you on again, man. Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure. Night later. Night. Thank you for joining us today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, comment, and check out our Facebook page. Also encourage others who want to see IT transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help. 